Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. I'm Mary, not contrary, and I live in Toronto. And that was my donkey time for you, because I just heard that you needed some. Unfortunately, I only had access to my son's glockenspiel. <laughs> really so there are a couple missing, but I hope you liked it. <laughs> ah, I don't even have access to my own glockenspiel these days. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the relaxed but sophisticated dinner party that is Robert Wilson. And with me, I have the awkward silence that is... Sorry, Lucy Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> and the last part of Alice's attempt to be normal is you. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Not Contrary. Thank you very much. Lucy, if anyone else wants to borrow their child's defunct musical instrument <laughs> stolen from a primary school, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or think that force-feeding someone wobbly egg pie will make them more likely to become pregnant, <laughs> then call us on 0203 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek for in the back bedroom. Derek's not in at the moment because he's had to take his old dog to the vets. Uh, The poor old thing's doubly incontinent with a really nasty skin condition, but he got the dog there anyway. (laughs) On this week's episode, we hear views from Rachel, New York Nigel, Glyn Fullerlove, Claire Asprey and Paul Wiskin. But first, before the calls, let's brace ourselves for Lucy B. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. We began the week with Jimmus and Jazzus doing their star turn as Morecambe and Wise, banging on about playing the piano and carpe diem. I have visions of them making the breakfast in their dressing gowns to the tune of the stripper. It's very pleasing. (laughs) Adam's got a cold, which actually makes him sound slightly more cheerful than normal. He went to a seminar called Let's Talk About Farming with David, who got all overexcited and said, I want to hear all the talks and then go to the hat pub and have a pint of some beer. 
Adam said cheerily, no, I don't want to listen to speeches, and I don't want a pint and I just want to go home. I've just found 7p in my pocket that I never knew was there and I can't deal with any more excitement. Then some misguided Wally approached Adam about setting up a self-help group. Hello, my name is Adam Macy and I'm obsessed with soil. I started with a bit on my wellies, you know, all the other farmers were doing it and it didn't seem that much of a deal. Then I started getting involved with worms. I knew I shouldn't, but I just counted a few for a mate and then I couldn't stop. Now I'm taking soil samples six or seven times a day. My partner doesn't know, he just thinks I keep dropping stuff on the ground and looking for it really closely. Jenny darling, you're right. Jenny Darling is still confusing Lexi with a foie gras goose and he's packing her full of quiche. To be honest, if she eats the carb-laden fat fest Jenny's providing on a daily basis, Adam's little swimmers are going to need tails like propellers to get through the lard molecules. <laughs> Joe was doing a great deal of first name surnaming, which automatically lends a gloomy weight to everything he says. He did this to great effect when he went to harassment and coughed up Nick's last words, which were, oh, God knows. He just appeared in harassment's hallway, made awkward conversation and left again. And no one asked why the bloody Ellie was there. Oh, Joe, just say mm. it. Otherwise, in six months time, we're going to have to hold a sodding seance and it's going to take an Ouija board an awfully long time to spell out. I did it, banged to rights, ran him down, revved up, backed over him again to make sure <laughs> no one makes me put their luggage in the bottle store without asking nicely. <laughs> Brian, has business been affected by what's been going on? asked Ruth. No, said Brian defensively. Everything is marvellous, absolutely marvellous. Everybody loves me and I'm still very important. In fact, we're thinking of incorporating the forklifts into Kate's colonic irrigation treatments. Now go away and leave me alone, you big Geordie poo. The only person <laughs> behaving more childishly than Brian is his employee, Will who is taking Graceless to new levels and in a stroke of brilliance and even surprised himself, resigned from his job. But Brian, who never believes a no is a no, completely ignored him, so he is still a distraught loner roaming the village with a gun. Oh, good. Kate's back. She seems to have developed a very false sense of humour while she was in South Africa and is having a hard time with a therapist called Starlight O'Hara. Presumably she works with Reiki Butler. Who knows? Ms. O'Hara, her with the mascara, don't you know, has pointed out quite rightly, in my opinion, that it must be quite difficult to relax while men in hazmat suits are marching up and down outside your yurt shouting things like, Dave, Dave, any seepage your end? <laughs> Talking of seepage, Philip called a meeting with Alistair, his new best friend, to discuss his worries about a pre-cinema beekeeping session. Is that what they're calling it now? You can understand Philip's anxiety. It's been a while since Philip stated he's an older man and Kirsty's quite the feminist. He asked questions like, I don't know how long a pre-cinema beekeeping session is supposed to go on for. What happens if I can't find the hive? I mean, should I just keep going until the buzzing gets louder? Having got a completely <laughs> blank face from Alistair, who can't remember whether Shula's even got a hive, never mind where it is, Philip went off to the stables. Shula was delighted to see him. She treats every man under 70 with a pulse as a potential shag. I'll come in if you're not sure I'm disturbing, said Philip. Well, you are quite disturbing, Philip, but come in anyways. I'm completely desperate, said Shula. We attended a disastrous evening at Chris and Alice's with Fallon and Harassment Burns. Alice had made mince and rye vita, which understandably no one wanted to eat. And the fact that she wasn't drinking reminded everyone very quickly why she does, because it gives her a personality. This was identified, unfortunately, by her ever tactful husband, Chris. Well done there, Chris. Tell the recovering alcoholic that she's difficult to be around unless she's had a drink. And why doesn't she just have a quick one? Slow hand mm. clap for the moron in the leather apron. 
But harassment and Fallon survived just about and tottered off exhausted to go. And I paraphrase PC Berms here to go home and cuddle up in your dead friend's armchair. Meanwhile, Jimus is going to see a hooker called Kiki Pratchett. Alistair drove in there like the dutiful son he is because he was only expecting Jimus to be 15 minutes. Alistair ended up waiting for 45, though, while Kiki checked Jim's span. But then happily, Jim got an upright and that hasn't happened for ages. I should watch it, Jimus. Don't tell Shula or your life won't be your own. The end. Oh, my God. Oh, do you know what? I um... I had a fit of the giggles during that. And usually, you know, I it, it does make me laugh. When that it, it does. It, it's when it's when it's just and it was kind of just the, the relentless soil action of Adam. And, and, and I was and as you were going and as you were going on, you know, you were hammering it home. And I could just see an Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh with a picture of Adam's face stuck on. It was just it was splendiferous well, thank you very it's much. interesting you said that because in my head adam is a cross between eeyore and also marvin the paranoid android from yeah. um, the Hitchhiker's <laughs> yes. Guide. you know when he says Absolutely. yes brain the size of a planet yes i can make a cup of tea and all that sort of thing <laughs> it's so kind of oh brian it's so it's so adam that is and also hitchhiker's Guide is coming back on radio 4 at the moment it is yes it's i haven't cool. listened to it neither have i but, but i should no. probably shall Yes. yes, but no, that was that was. Um, I've got a big old smile on my face, and that's not just to do with the Icelandic aquavit I, I drank <laughs> at lunchtime today, or before Good. lunch, in fact. Yeah. Dear, dear, dear. Many of you may have seen me on Twitter and Instagram earlier today eating rotten shark as uh, as a kind of professional. Um, I suppose it's just professional honour that I had to eat it in the kitchen yard at work, folks. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting, but um, you've got to do it once in a while, haven't you? We've all eaten a bit of rotten shark, let's face it. Yeah, Yeah. what's the worst thing you've put in your mouth recently, Lucy? (laughs) Um, Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Because I don't mean, well, I've eaten things, obviously, otherwise I'd be dead. Um, But well, you wouldn't. You can, go 20, you can go 28 days without eating and you'll be fine. No, I can't. Although I could live off the fat in my cheeks for about 12 no. weeks, I think. You'll be um, fine. Everyone else will be dead because you'll strangle them. <laughs> Hangry does not come into it. <laughs> Suicidal, uh, perhaps, but... <laughs> Oh, very That's good. That's quite good. Suicidal. Suicidal. Oh, yes. I'm not even the comedy writer, am I? No. Because I just good. it just comes out of my mouth. I don't have to sit there bashing it out on a typewriter like I'm hitting rats on the head with a, a fairground. <laughs> this, listeners, is because when I'm typing things, when the, when Royfield or Robert, Robart, is waiting uh, for me, when I suddenly go, oh, shit, I haven't done the what's it joke, and then I suddenly hammer it out, apparently it sounds like I'm battering things to death on the keyboard because I like whack it really hard. <laughs> Oh, my it microphone's gone like, up there. We're hitting a second. As PG Wood has said, it sounds like the cavalry going over a tin bridge, I think is, is uh, <laughs> yes, probably mm. most closely resembles. It does sound like you're doing it for comic effect. <laughs> I mean, and you are, literally, aren't you? So there we are. <laughs> also, I'd like to thank you for including the word seepage in the monologue. No problem. Any time you want me to include a, a humorous word of your choice, I will regard it as a personal challenge to try and get it in somewhere. 
Speaking of seepage, my father was in hospital. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I had a, I got a phone call from my brother, and whenever my brother's name appears on my phone, I think, yeah, oh shit, he's yeah. dead. Um, but he wasn't, and he'd just gone in for the old, the, the regular trouble, and and then Dad called me from the waiting room, said, "Ooh, I've been waiting for ten hours." And I thought, well, why don't you go up to reception and see if they remember who you are? Uh, anyway, uh, he he stayed in overnight. They they flushed him out, and ten hours. Know, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Do you think he, well, he, he, he they triaged him and realised he wasn't that important. He's eighty-two, but he, he wasn't in any danger or anything like that. It wasn't. It was just he just needed. When he said waiting, was he mean waiting for a bed? So he'd been triaged yeah. to the best, and then oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't locked out of the hospital or anything like that, <laughs> you know, knocking on the on the on the sliding door. Um, anyway, so he's fine, and he called me, and you know, the really terrible thing is. Oh, can I tell you this? Yeah, I will. I hadn't spoken to my dad. I hadn't spoken to my 82-year-old dad since Boxing Day. <gasps> Robert. I'm horrible. Yes, you are. And, yeah, I feel... I don't feel bad. I just think I'm stupid. And there's a difference. So I'm just admitting that to you. Well, but I anyway, think you're dad you should have spoken. And Dad called me. Well, he didn't phone me either. Um, <laughs> we're men. I mean, we don't phone each other unless we don't phone each other what unless happened? nothing. What we're about to die or someone else has died. <laughs> have you never met a man before? I was trying to explain that to my daughter the other day because she was finding it confusing that uh, her boyfriend didn't understand when she just sent him messages that said, "How are you?" and he'd go. Fine, what's the matter? <laughs> and she'd say, Nothing. I was just wondering how you are. And he says, I'm fine. Are you sure nothing's the matter? Because he couldn't understand why she just so I said, just stop doing that because it's really annoying if they don't want to, you know, it, it would annoy me. Um, and and it is really annoying to to uh, some men, I think, because they just don't think like that. And if they are one of the men that goes, What's happened? What's the matter? What do you need? What's going on? You know, that then She's going to drive him slowly potty by doing it. <laughs> and then she yes. gets furious with him because he doesn't say, oh, I'm fine. I did this and did that and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there's a happy medium to be had, isn't there? In every relationship, there's a compromise. And, yes. and in most of the relationships, I have the compromises, uh, goodbye. Uh, but <laughs> either way, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been out of the dating scene for a while, so they didn't have WhatsApp and Facebook when I last mm got it wet so to speak um so i don't know i don't know what it's like and i guess your daughter is she, would you say she's a millennial or a centennial i don't know how they do that I mean, what, well she's 15 so i don't know either and the, the, okay let, let's go deeper into this is that i have a friend who um he works for the special police and he said that the majority of kids that age send each other saucy pictures yeah, he didn't no, use that term she doesn't but anyway yeah no no and you've got to have that talk with them say don't send saucy yeah, yeah, pictures yeah, absolutely just send just send and if, if someone asks do not send a saucy picture because yeah even yeah, if, yeah even if yeah. they don't misuse it someone yeah. else might nick the phone and misuse it so if you're going to send a saucy picture just send one pulling a face because actually it's more it's more amusing and they can find more saucy pictures elsewhere on yeah. their phone so yeah so kids and i know a lot of 15 year olds are listening to dumpty dum at the moment <laughs> don't send saucy pictures i sent one once 
And uh, anyway, <clears throat> no, I didn't. I've never sent the saucy picture. No. No. You just sent it. pictures of your, in- your many and various injuries, don't you? Yes. Speaking of which, I'm, mm-hmm. we, we haven't spoken since, um, since your um, appearance on national radio. You're a oh, celeb yeah, yeah. now, aren't you? Oh, darling! Did, yes. did you and Royfield speak to it? Speak about it last week? I can't remember. I'm, 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 uh, I haven't caught up. No, we didn't, because um, it happened afterwards. Oh, that's it. why then, isn't it? Uh, yes, I was on Radio Five Live, uh, but what happened? That, but um, rather than blowing smoke at my own bum, as everyone thinks I'm about to do, uh, I was talking about walkie-talkie and dog walking, and mm. just before I'm telling the listeners, not you, because you know this. Um, just before I went live, they said, right, so, so stay on the line, Lucy, and uh, you'll just hear... They, first of all, they do the check to make sure that you're not a raving lunatic. So I did. did, did we did the check. And you passed. Bloody hell. I, I know! I got under, I snuck under the radar. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. <laughs> and, then, and then the um, producer... So I was sitting there waiting, thinking, what am I going to say about dog walking and blah, 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 and I could hear the news going on. And then... Um, uh, he's the, all of a sudden this beep in my ear, and he said, "Hello, Lucy. This is the producer." And I said, "Hello." And I was thinking, "Christ, has something changed? Am I supposed to now be talking about something different? What's going on? Have I been bumped? Has somebody yeah, more got, interesting died?" Corbin and poison <laughs> yeah, <Russian>. exactly. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, then he said, um, "I just wanted to say, um, me and the presenter are really big fans of Dumpty Dum. Anyway, thank you very much. You're on. You're on now. Bye." And disappeared. I was like, ah! and then I just had to. Stop talking hurriedly about dog walking. It was rather confusing. But he did mention on, uh, the producer said, I hope, uh, looking forward to next week's, and hope that the bruised pubis is all right. So your bruised well, pubis um, is now a celebrity in its own right, Robert. I know. And um, I did, for a while, change my the, the end of my Twitter profile from Dumpty Dum co-host to internationally famous bruised pubis owner owner, owner. <laughs> or something like that i can't remember <laughs> but there we are anyway you were very good thank you very much for for publicizing dumpty dum and and i don't know what i'm talking about now do i no that's why they don't invite me on radio five live because i just <laughs> witted her off <laughs> let's do the calls we do rachel really should we oh yes of course i'm oh, sorry i forgot we were here for that Oh, I think there's a phone call coming in, as they say. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hello, Titian73 here, calling in after a little break. I'd like to say how much I'm enjoying Shula's uh, suffering and I want <laughs> Josh to piss off because he's just a twonk. And also come along to the newly arranged Oxford meetup on Saturday the 28th of April at the Marsh Harrier at 1pm, being arranged by Naked Fingers, Titian73 and Nosilla underscore 63 on the Twitters. Come and meet Dumpty Dog Duffy. Thank you. Bye bye. There you go. Oh, it saved me mentioning. Yes, I haven't. Well done, I haven't Rachel. told the landlord. Of, I haven't told the landlord of the Marsh Harrier yet to expect a, a load of people plus forty who are crazed and with dogs. <laughs> I'm sure it'll all be fine. Um, that sounds good fun. Yes, he's Albanian, by the, the way, not Irish. I <laughs> the Marsh Harrier is the pub that you do the quiz in, isn't it? Yes, it's yes. my local. It's it's, it's yes. six and a half minutes stagger. Ah. From from Galleons Heights, right. Um, there are, people are coming from Bristol. Wow! I, I think 
coming from Bristol with a dog. Um, Nissy, who um, who came to the original uh, meetup, is is coming along too. She has uh, a voice problem, so she she has she she uh, has to write some things down, or we have to lip read, um, which is useful in the march because it's it can be quite loud. Um, right. And uh, I can't remember who else is coming. I think. I'm not sure whether Catherine's coming along too. But anyway, it's all women. It's it's my harem of uh, beautiful, intelligent women are, are coming along to see me again. I feel absolutely honoured, actually. I mean, my ego is going to be enormous, and I'm going to be insufferable. Excellent. So no change there. We'll no change. But shall we go back to uh, Rachel reveling in... <laughs> In Shula's suffering. I mean, I, this is cruel, isn't it? It's also something that happened this week, not last week, so we can't talk about it. Yes, but but she's been suffering anyway, generally. I mean, it's oh, been she's always towards... suffering. She's never bloody happy, that woman. Joan of Bleeding Ark, isn't she? Yes. That's what she is. Joan, yeah. Joan of Ark. Okay, well, you'll have to phone in next week and... Uh... And say it all over again, Rachel. And say it all over <laughs> again. We won't mind. <laughs> we might just play you again. You never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we can comment on it. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, where is that heading, though? So the Schuler and Alistair thing is, mm. I mean, it's all, I mean, it's kind of, it's sort the rocks. You can see the rocks. It's the Titanic heading for the iceberg. Yeah. And it's been happening yeah. for a year or two. And it's that yeah. kind of, and it's certainly that Archer's, long form story isn't it yeah. and, and it's what the archers does brilliantly that even other uh, television soap operas don't do because tv soap operas are a, a six-week turnaround it seems yeah. to me that each story is six weeks long yeah. Yeah. nothing heads uh, no, nothing yeah. builds up to it it's like well people get pregnant and have babies within six weeks don't they on say on, on yeah soap operas. exactly so but, but they're definitely are they going to split up will she have enough um, one of them's got to leave then or they both got to stay in the village and yeah i don't know i mean they've had a few near misses in the past haven't they where um mm-hmm. uh where uh they've sort of some there's been some minor crisis which has sort of brought them together but it seems to be that they 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 fall apart during a crisis then come back together very briefly but they can't seem to keep any momentum going when things are just humdrum and normal. That's why when things that? start to fall apart. Well, is it because Alistair's boring, or because she's? Um... <sighs> I don't think. I think. I don't think she's got an awful lot of emotional intelligence, and he is. He just has very low expectations. I think, which he is just very happy. You know, if things are quiet and peaceful, he's happy. He doesn't need drama, whereas Shula does have this kind of slightly. She's such a bit of a Jennifer. She needs a slightly more. She needs a little bit of drama, a little bit of interest, or a little bit of excitement. I mean, she did. You know, she 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 definitely. She you know has had um, flings in the past, and her life has not been without incident. And maybe you know she misses that when things are just so sort of regular and normal and boring, and also. Um, I, I, I still don't think that any bloke could, she could love any bloke more than she loves her son. And I think, 
um, you know, in her son, she sees her dead husband. And I still, I, I, I think she's in her head, she's married to Daniel, not Alistair. And I think and she, she loves the horse terribly. as well, doesn't she? So, yes, yes. Yeah, so basically, he's, he's, a, he's, I don't a, mean that in a rude way. No, but he's in a Catherine the Great way. I think he's sort of, um, a bit of a, he's sort of definitely third on the list, if that, you know, and if there's something, vaguely interesting on television then he's probably fourth i'd say and i want to stand up for alistair a little bit in, in the oh, i um, quite like him actually yeah exa- there's nothing wrong with quiet liking life. the quiet life no. because do you know i i have I, I we all know people in our lives and and they say oh i'm bored really easily i get bored very easily mm. and i think well what don't you find your own thoughts and musings on life that interesting? Look, mm-hmm. life isn't boring. I very rarely get bored. I, 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 do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is people who I, I, and I like I like stimulation from time to time, obviously, but um, sometimes it's nice just to potter about the house and have a bit yeah. of downtime, down isn't it? And Absolutely. There's a lovely poem by Wendy Cope called um, "On Being Boring." which is mm. just heavenly it's absolutely blissful and and it's when you read it when you're 20 it reads like a really long suicide note and you just think oh my god this is you know this is what life is in store then i'm going to end it all now and then you read and it when you're 45 when you're 45 you think yes that's me oh, <laughs> how lovely <laughs> going to bed at nine o'clock and not having to talk to anyone hooray <laughs> Lovely. I haven't reached that stage yet. I have. I've reached that stage about five years ago. <laughs> really? Oh, I'm still a night owl. Are you early mornings or oh, yeah, a lark or a night owl? You're a, yeah. a lark. Yeah. No, I'm I'm usually up at sort of half past five, six o'clock. Um, but Crikey. I do go to bed between. My bed would I, have I to be on fire. Between nine and half past nine. Okay. So, so this is we're getting near my bedtime. <laughs> oh, we better we better hurry up then. Shall we play New York <laughs> I'm Nigel? I'm saying jams, drinking me Ovaltine. Crack on, um, New York Nigel. Yes. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. New York Hello. Nigel here. I'm so sorry I couldn't make the meet up in New York last week. I was stranded in a monastery up the Hudson River during that thunder <laughs> snow, and we got Likely no excuse. And I was just <laughs> dreaming of cocktails with fellow Archers fans back in the city. Poor old Nick. If it was up to me, she'd go straight to heaven for the encounter with Matt that brought out the worst in him in time for Lillian to see sense. But what a great way to go. Becky must have loved playing the scene. And I'm sorry she's gone. And sorry still that she's been sort of used as a way to finish off that Matt story. All sounds a bit too neat to me. And Jennifer, yeah, she drives me mad. And I do have to deal with quite a lot of bourgeois people like her in my job. And sometimes a crisis brings out the best in people like that. But she just seems to become petulant and passive aggressive. That sperm talk made me think of the Almodovar film, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Mm. Breakdown. Don't suppose you can expect much from somebody who's made a deal with Brian over all those years. But maybe she'll be the one that redeems this nasty little story. And Shula, well, my other pet hate... She makes me think of a Jackie Collins character, but without that slam-bang, rumpy-pumpy that you actually get in a Jackie Collins novel. She sort of is on the verge, but she never gets there. 
And I think you're right, Lucy and Roy Field. At this level, the Archers is sort of cathartic, a little 13-minute dose of therapeutic discharge when I can just <laughs> listen without anybody judging me for what I think about yeah. the characters. I remember mum shouting at the radio in the way that she'd never shout at anybody else uh, when oh. she was listening. So thanks, and I'll call again soon. Bye. Oh. Crikey, not only did we have seepage, now we have discharge. Well, discharge. <laughs> I have to say, stranded in a monastery up the Hudson River because of thunder snow is A, yes. the best excuse I've ever heard, as you said, Robert, and also what I'm going to steal. Because next time someone says to me, would you like to come to this gallery opening on Thursday? I shall say, no, I am stranded in a monastery up the Hudson River because of thunder snow. <laughs> and they'll be so staggered, they will never contact me again. Good. Exactly. <laughs> Do you know, the interesting thing I find is that no one's talking about, well, we haven't, well, we've only got, well, Claire to come so, uh, so far, but, um, or left over, uh, but no one's talking about the stuff that got me this week, which what was, was that? because not, uh, well, I, I stepped off the, I stepped off the train at Paddington because mm. I, I went to that London this week. Oh. I got on the DLR believe it or not. Ooh. And I went to Excel to uh, a catering exhibition. Oh, okay. And, and, but as I stepped off, I thought, oh, blimmin' heck, I haven't listened to last night's Archers. So I listened to the Sunday night episode. And as I was walking down the platform, I've got Joe crying. Oh. Saying, oh, well, he, he, I know what he's got to, yeah. got to face. And I, I don't know what I, I got. Can I look him in the eye when I'm done? I'm looking for the underground. I'm looking for the Bakerloo line with... Trying not to cry, and, and I thought I'd been lucky and avoided listening to it in Sainsbury's uh, last week's episode while I was shopping for potatoes, um, and I got it in full view of London Commuterville on Bleeding Paddington Station. But um, that was—I have to say that. that so it's I, like it's I, not I, on Grand Central Station. I sat down and wept. It's on Paddington Station. I sat down and wept. In fact, yes, so so much so that I decided to leave via Mar Marlebone. Because <laughs> now we have two options. Oh, we have one option but two choices. Is that correct? I don't know. Don't correct me on my grammar, dumpty dum grammar Nazis. Yes. Um, but I need to um just be be serious yeah. for a minute. Yeah. Serious, okay. serious voice. Mm -hmm. Um I think the Joe thing is making it's bringing up what it seems to be bringing up for people quite a lot is uh last last words um yeah how, and and how it's regrets about people's last moments and what you would have said or should have said mm -hmm. or if you'd realized it was the last time we've had quite a few tweets and things like that yeah. that I've seen but we had somebody uh Paul um emailed in uh and said uh yesterday i said goodbye to an old friend who died of cancer a couple of weeks ago within the last few oh, months i have been as far as we know saved from prostate cancer i felt so guilty that i survived and was so wrapped up in my own problems that i never visited my old mate during his last weeks while i hate will grundy as a character i have quite a lot of empathy about missing his wife's last minutes yeah. and uh, yeah i think that's but I think that is where that is the, I mean, uh, yes, Will is an arse and has been an arse for a long time, but I do think that's where the, the basis of this anger comes from that he feels that he didn't do it right. 
I have um, a story to relate. Um, and I've spoken about my mother dying a number of times. In fact, the first show I did, I, I spoke about that. And then I went on a hot date. Um, but, you know, the lead up to my mother's death was, and it was, it was a horrible way to go. Um, and for those of you that don't know, she, um, she had gout and she took allopurinol, which is a, a which is a drug routinely prescribed for gout. Um, and she had a terrible reaction to it. And essentially she, uh, all her skin peeled off uh, in and outside her body. And she was wrapped up like a mummy with a tracheostomy. Oh, Oh. And and she was on the bed, and apparently she was asking the nurse, "Am I going to die?" And she, she was in the burns unit. And I drove up from Oxford. I got the call at work, uh, very shocked. Uh, rented a car, drove up to Wakefield, where where uh, my parents, where I'm from, and my dad still lives there. Drove up there, and this was uh, December the ninth. Funny how you remember the dates, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, so I drove up there and saw her, and I went back two or three weeks, and she was making making a recovery. So I stopped driving up every week because you know, it's probably more of a chance of me dying in a car accident driving up to see her than than anything else. If you've seen my driving, um, but um, I stopped I stopped driving up there and. But I would phone all the time, and and I would phone my dad, and my dad said, "Oh, Mum's at home now, and she's um, and we've got the bed downstairs, and she's okay." And it wasn't until too late that I realised he was because she had made a cover, recovery, and I'd spoken to her, mm. but it wasn't until too late that I'd realised that he was hiding something from me, and he was hiding it from me because he didn't want to upset me, and he does that. With himself, when he's in hospital, mm. he will say, "Oh, don't call Robert; he'll mm. he'll worry." Now I won't. I just want to know the facts. Mm. Um, so it wasn't until too late that I, I found out that she was going to die, and she she died the next day after a phone oh, call she made. Goodness! But and I hadn't seen her for two months. I hadn't spoken to her for two months. Um, but anyway, the good thing is that when she did come out of hospital and she was well for a little while. And my dad played a trick on me and said, oh, yeah, yeah, your mum. In fact, oh, let me just hand the phone to this person. And my mother came on the phone Aww. and she sounded just as I imagined her. And I get a lot of my personality from mum. My mum's name was Vola, V-O-L-A, odd name, but a lovely name. And, and it makes her unique in my eyes anyway. But, um, <laughs> but we had a lovely chat. And the last thing I ever said to my mum was, I love you. And that's oh. the last thing she said to me. Oh. And uh, uh, out of all the regret of not going up to see her before she died and not even knowing that she was ill, and, and, uh, and what killed her was she, because, because of all this skin peeling off and all that nonsense, her gums were bleeding a lot. And um, she got an infection through the gums, which often goes to a valve in the heart. It's called mm. endocarditis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it's why. It's why... Gum disease is, 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 is you know, dental health is really, really important. For, exactly. It's linked exactly. to stuff. And Good grief. one of the things, when I was speaking, that last phone conversation I had with my mother, and I remember speaking to my dad before. Now, was it afterwards anyway? Whatever. Um, and I said, how, how are you doing? How's dad looking after it? And she said, he's been wonderful. 
Your dad has been amazing looking after me. And, you know, when I looked at my parents' marriage and you look at your parents' marriage and think, well, uh, you know, they they used to watch TV in separate rooms, but, you know, they had a bit of a separate (laughs) life, but they came together because they watched different television programs. And that's probably why they were still married for 40-odd years. Yes, exactly. Um, but, But speaking to my dad afterwards and he said, I don't know whether I did the right thing for your mom. I don't don't know whether I looked after her. And I was able to say, no. I spoke to mom that day and she said, you were wonderful. Yeah. And I had the honor and the privilege of saying that to him too. And I hope he believed me. Anyway. Do you regret not going to see her? Absolutely. But... I don't regret that the last words we said yeah. to each other was "I love That's you." That's what I was thinking. I don't know whether because <sighs> it might, might have been friend... "Bye, mom." Yeah. Don't forget that. Oh, have you gone? Oh, okay. Right. You know, no, so yeah. something ridiculous. <laughs> I, I think there's there's my when my um, a friend of mine's mum died. He couldn't mm. go and see her. Yeah. For the last four days, he knew that she was dying. And he decided that he couldn't do it anymore. He went to a certain point and he just thought, I can't, I can't see her any worse than this. Okay. And he said, so I'm going she to say, I'm go- yeah, she had cancer. Under. She was, yeah. And, and he said, I'm going to say goodbye now. And she said, okay. And I don't, I don't know if he regrets that because it's still also raw for him. I can't ask, but. How long ago was that? Uh, a couple of years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I don't grieving know. process has not, yeah. not completed itself. No, really. no, no, not at all. But it's just, yeah, it's such but a. We I, don't I, talk. We don't talk about death often enough in no. British culture. No, we and don't. and it's people find it embarrassing. Yeah, and uh, but you have to because it happens. A, it happens to us all. We all die, and everyone we know dies. Yeah. So we'd better share stories. Yeah, to 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 give uh, give each other um, methods of coping, and yeah. that you are normal, and that yeah. this is, everything that happens is perfectly normal. Yes. Whether whether you, whether you don't cry or whether you do cry, yeah. I remember because I don't know whether you guessed this, Lucy, but I'm a bit of a soppy old git, and I cry at the drop of a hat, and I know you do. I and mean, we've had phone <laughs> conversations where we've cried, and it's like, stop crying, you're making me cry, you silly yeah. git. Um, but um, and we did we did it on Dumpty Dum once or twice, didn't we? Yeah, but um, but you've just right now talking about your mum. Oh well, yeah, whatever. I'm making it all up. It's not true. They're both alive and well, and they're on a trampolining holiday in Greece at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know why I said that. Um, but uh, I remember when Dad phoned up, and he, the, the night before she died, he phoned and said, "Oh, she's got about a week to go." And then he phoned up at ten o'clock the next morning, and I woke up with a hangover because I phoned my friend and said. My mum's going to die. And he said, right, come to the SCR at Christchurch. Let, let's, let's hit the whiskey cabinet there. And we did. And his dad had died young. So I, mean, I was very lucky that I had people around me that had all experienced parental death. So I didn't feel alone at all. I was so, so lucky. Um, but, but the next day, dad phoned up and said, um, your, your mum's gone. And I said, all right, then. Um, I just need to hang up now and cry a lot. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. Uh, and I did a lot of crying. And then I drove up the, the day before the funeral, and I, I slept in my mum's old bed the night before the funeral. I mean, how? Paging Dr. Freud. Yeah. And, um, and I, rem- I wept my heart out that night. Oh, because I felt so close to her, but yet so ripped yeah. apart from her. Yeah. And so what? what 
And I'd been to see the body with my dad and we both wept in each other's arms. And that was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. Mm. Um, mm. But then I turned up at the funeral. I mean, I just didn't just turn up, you know, they sent a black car and everything. Um, and, and there was my dad and my brother and my nephew, Dan, and they were all sobbing at the funeral. And I wasn't. And I think because I'd done a lot of my crying yeah. beforehand yeah. and they hadn't. Yeah, and I, I just thought I'm going to be on to cry, but no, they did all it's the, the sobbing. Really it's interesting how you know, like you're looking at them, thinking, "Oh, do they? Why aren't I crying? Are they thinking that I'm that I'm uncaring, or I'm not in touch with my emotions, or are they thinking that?" And it's it's kind of like, in a way, it's like on the arches after Nick died. I was listening yep. to other people's conversations about things, thinking, "Well, they don't sound sad." Yes, you know, I the, was too. Pip and, yes. um, Pip and Ruth are nattering away like anything. They're not. They're not sad. They should be sadder. And thinking, what, Lucy? What is this? Should a this is fictional? But what is this? Should everybody should grieve exactly how they want to? But there is this kind of because, as you said, we don't talk about it enough. There is mm. this strange. Right. Well, I'll just do it right. You know, I must do it right. So I must take my cue from other people. So how much are they crying? How much are they? Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like um, nobody's got enough confidence to actually do exactly what they feel like doing. And whether that's yelling your head off or going completely silent or postponing it for a year and then having a nervous breakdown or whatever, you know, no one's got the confidence to do what they what they actually want to um what they what they what they feel like doing they're thinking there should be some sort of formula for it it reminds me of that victoria wood sketch where it's It's 72 baps connie i'll slice you butter (laughs) (laughs) and and i've seen that in family in, in 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 family members when when people to them close have died is that they 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 use the practicalities of, oh, of going yeah. through the death yeah. certificate and yeah. arranging the yeah. funeral or whatever yeah. to um, as, as part of the grieving process. Yeah. And after, I'll after be really my... honest with you, I'm terrified of my father dying because I do not know what the hell to do. He doesn't have mm. a bloody will. And I, I mentioned to him, two Christmases running, do you have a will? Oh, no, I don't need a will. I feel perfectly fine. And oh, I said, if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't write a will, I'll fucking strangle you and you will be. <laughs> It's a will, not a death wish. It won't happen just because he's written it down. God, dear. And the nightmare if somebody dies without a will. It's so difficult. Well, mum mum died in test date. Right. And um, we put it in the hands of, uh, I think we put it in the hands of the Halifax Bank or whatever. Turned out she had 20 20 grand squirreled away. (laughs) And you know what? When when she was wrapped up like a mummy, and she was, and she couldn't speak, and she go, uh, 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 and uh, uh, I worked out that she was saying bag, and I said, bag. I, th- I think I said, spell it out on my hand. Oh no, I said, a b yeah b a you know, a a b and went, got to g. I was like, bag bag. What your bag? And yeah, and her she left her bag, her shopping bag, in the sitting room, and she wanted us, us to keep it safe. Right. It's only because it had a bloody bank book in that had <laughs> that said she had 20, 20 grand in a secret bank account. I was going to say she had two pork chops in there that were going a bit high or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, she had some rotten Icelandic shark that she needed to <laughs> put in the food for a tree. Thank you very much. 
Anyway, that was a, a bit of an interlude, wasn't it? Yeah. Did we read the bit out that we needed to read out? Yes, did we did. We have, we did. Uh, didn't we have another email from... Uh, yes, but we need to play Glyn Fuller Love now. Oh, I'm glad someone's on the ball. Here's Glyn. Hello, dum to dum It's Glyn here. Um, it's been a little while since I've last called into Dumpty Dum, and a huge amount of ha- has happened in the intervening period. Um, you know, most notably the death of Nick. Um on that, the only thing I'm, I'm going to say is I've got a pro- plot prediction for um, Will Grundy, which is uh, he is going to leave Ambridge and, um, you know, due to um, the grief at Nick's death and the need to get away for a while, and he's going to go to the extremity of the Ambridge universe, which is probably Leicestershire, and he is going to come back in about a year or two's time as a different actor with a different voice and probably a different character. Um, elsewhere in Ambridge, there's actually enormous, an enormous amount happening, isn't it? We've got storylines involving Alistair and Shula. We've got storylines involving Chris and Alice. We've got the ongoing contamination at Bridge Farm. We've got stuff involving Jim Lloyd and his piano lessons. And it just goes on and on. And um, so we're being set up for a whole new, I think, phase in Ambridge existence over the next, uh, you know, the next six to 12 months. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So um, anyway, thank you again for um, doing this wonderful podcast. And Best wishes to all in Dumpty Dumland, and uh, have a great week. Do you know what? I long Thank for the days when you said, oh, we're just treading water at the moment, because he's absolutely right that I can't take the, the storylines are coming at me like like lasers in a, in a Star oh, Wars well, space Jim battle. Lloyd's flipping piano playing, that's hardly, you know, shaking Ambridge to the core, is it? Well... I mean, it depends what Kitty Pratchett looks like and how old she is, because I'm <laughs> thinking that it might not only be the ivories that he's tinkling. Ah. I think he might have his hands on the middle sea, so to speak. Ah. Do you think he's spanning that her wasn't, up? That, that, wasn't a bad, that wasn't a bad sexual piano pun. You've got to admit, the middle sea. Come on. Admit it, professional comedy writer, and that just came off the top of my head. Very good, Robert. Very Patronizing good. swine. <laughs> yeah. What do you think um, about Will? Is he going to stay? Yes, of course, because why... Uh, you haven't... Because there's more story in him staying than him leaving. I quite he's going like to leave with fact... four kids on, in tow, and he's yeah. got to take someone else's kid with them. I, I think he's got to stay, uh, because that... It, 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 yeah, it's, it's a much, there's more conflict in him staying than going, surely. This I is Royfield's like, territory. Why are you asking me this question? I quite like the fact that they have replayed an old storyline. They've replayed Joe Grundy with his two boys without yes. their mum. Oh, and now thing. we've got yeah. the, we've got the, you know, the, um, we've got Will with his children and, and two of whom aren't here. I still don't see. I mean, Jake and Mia, he, mm. I don't think he'll get custody of them because he's not their father. 
It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think legally, I don't think it works like that. And I'm not quite sure why, why Will would appeal to custody of them. I mean, he doesn't mention them. We only ever hear about Georgie. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't know quite, but whether he'll be left with, with, with George and Poppy, um, while the other two go back to their dad. Uh, and then it will be like, you know, Joe playing out again, this sort of, um, gruff widower with his two children and, 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 and him trying to, I do think there might still be, it sounds odd, but I've got a really weird feeling that there might still be some mileage in Ed and, uh, Emma and Will, you know? I, I think you might be right i mean i have thought that independently we haven't we haven't texted or messaged or emailed or been on grinder together um but yeah i have thought that myself but because mm. there's something there's you know if They're there was still a spark initially which is which is why there's a sexual tension there isn't there uh, yeah yeah mm, interesting um, mm. bloody complicated though. It's a very complicated aggregate family. Isn't yeah, it? it really is. Um, oh, should we do Claire Asprey now? Let's. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Uh, just wanted to say a couple of things. One is, um, it's quite early in the week, but, uh, just love Jazza and Jim on Sunday's <laughs> episode. Um, <gasps> I would listen to an entire spin-off series just of Jim and Jazza at home, I think. Um, find it very believable that Jim would complain about Jazza being late rising and messy. Yeah. Find it slightly less believable that Jazza would say, oh, have you finished with the paper? He doesn't really strike me as a uh, Sunday broadsheet type. But there you go. Maybe he has, has a hidden depth. Anyway, I thought Jazza was just great. And what I love about the slightly more comical characters is you find quite often they have very good emotional intelligence and are good mm-hmm. in a crisis. Same yeah. with um, Eddie on the Friday night that Nick yeah. was in hospital. Absolutely. Um, he was just right on point and um, just goes to show that you underestimate some of these people um, and Jazz was one of those. We wish we had more of him. Uh, secondly, uh, just a quick response on last week's Dumb to Dumb about... Um, Will's housing arrangements because I'm boring like that. Um, I don't know exactly, <laughs> no, but when I first came to the Archers, which was about 15 years ago, he was living in some sort of granny annex or something, which I think was a gift of Caroline's. And he maybe was there rent free or something. I don't know. Anyway, but then they moved and they had to move out. I can't remember exactly what the arrangements were. Um, and this was before he was oh, yes. the gamekeeper. So it was, I think it was while he was an apprentice. Yes, yes, yes. Before yes. he married Emma. Uh, and uh, George died and, you know, he became the gamekeeper and had the gamekeeper's cottage. So I'm not entirely sure what the, where he was, but I think that was in the gift of Caroline, uh, whereas um, One the Green was definitely bought with the mysterious uh, inheritance from some great aunt or something that Ed didn't get any of. Anyway, keep up the good work. Absolutely right. I'm, uh, those are the two things I picked up is the emotional intelligence as yeah. as she put it of both Eddie and Jazza cuz i yeah. my biggest tweet of the week from me the, the biggest response and engagement was when eddie's just made me cry because yeah. eddie took control didn't he yeah he became he was the, the the he was the the patriarch of the family yeah and actually uh, clary did well but eddie uh, 
you because you didn't expect that from Eddie, and Eddie is, like she said, a, like she said, a, a comic character. Uh, but actually, he he was a rock, wasn't he? He knew what to do, and he he, he yeah, it, it it left me speechless and tearful. And I love Eddie, really. I mean, he's a, an idiot, but aren't we all? Uh, yeah. Well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's what I, I was setting you up for. That we we play alternate <laughs> great men and um, and, yes. and don't yes. we? Yes, we do. We we flip coins for who's the butt of the joke. <laughs> and Jazza, of course, and Jazza with 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 Joe as well. And I've always loved Jazza. I have to say, I identify strongly with Jazza because we share the same sparring maker. Um, but J- like Jazza said, like as my ma used to say. You've just got to put one foot in front of the next, in front yeah. of the other, where it goes. And that is very good advice uh, for life because when you've got a terrible crisis in your life and and you see this vast expanse of black and you can barely see yeah. the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah, just just put one foot in front of the other and you'll you'll start to walk towards that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You've just got to. Crawl and, and if you can't, train coming towards you. yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, and sometimes you can't be asked to get out of bed, and sometimes you just you can't be bothered to do the washing up, and sometimes you just want to hide away from the world, but keep putting a foot in front of the other foot, and you'll get there, I guess. I hope. Gosh, this is a very cod philosophical bullshit episode of Dirty Dum today. But yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed this. I, I, I don't know whether enjoying is the right word, but I've been really touched by certain aspects of that, this. And that is the male characters. Is that... Yeah, yeah. And, and Roy Field yeah. and you have said before is that the men are just ciphers in the in the arches, yeah. but they've suddenly not become ciphers. They've become emotional yeah. beings with agency. And yeah. that's well, really yeah, and, and normally they only get to do anything when in something like the flood, you know, where they're all yeah. gashing, gashing, dashing around in Land Rovers and rescuing people and rowing things, and Dave's going. Get the thing, this, and do that. And they're offer- every man is offering another man emotional support. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. whether it's Alistair with Philip. Yeah, Philip. Saying, well, man up and um, yeah. tell her that you you're afraid of brave. bees. You don't need to be brave to deal with the bees. You need to be brave to tell her that you can't deal with the bees. That's the bravest yeah. thing. Exactly. Um and the archers does this quite a lot, and I've spoken about this before. Is that lots of stories mirror and reflect, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. other stories uh, and and echo and amplify and any well, other words. Well, somebody word. moaned on Twitter the other day and said, um, "Oh, that was a, a male only episode." And <gasps> uh, Kerry Davis replied and said, "Well, we have plenty of female only episodes." Um, mm. And I had, I had honestly never noticed whether we have all male or all female episodes. I've, I'd never, I'd never picked that up. And I do. I'm very, um, very hot on the old um, 
you know, male-female balance in in other programmes. But I've never noticed it in the Archers, probably because I think it is it's a matriarchy divided. Probably. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I no. No, I Don't think it think? is. No, I think it is. It is evenly divided. I genuinely do. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah. Now, quick email. Uh huh. Which I've temporarily lost. Where's it gone? Um, from somebody about the Alice storyline. Mm-hmm. The um. Al- oh, by the way. Claire Aspie, before we start on that, I think he wanted the paper because I imagine he wanted to look at the sports pages. That's what I decided. I and couldn't it was imagine probably him wanted- the Guardian, so it's not even yes. broadsheet anymore. It's not even a Berliner. It's it's tabloid, or maybe he they'd run out of toilet paper. I don't know. Or he wanted to read, you know, the Times lead column. Could be unlikely, but could be. Um, anyway, the Alice storyline and the alcoholism. Um, I think people reacted quite strongly to uh, Chris saying to Alice, you know, why don't you just have a drink? You sort of have your head in your hands and think, oh, you absolute twonk. But anyway, um, and the listener said, I am struggling with the Alice storyline and the comments that seem to be lighthearted about her slow descent into alcohol dependency. This is obviously a slow burn story and I get upset when people trivialise that. This is chiming far too many bells for me. My sister is a highly functional alcoholic. Her husband accepts her dependence and the fact that she pulls in a good wage. He still buys her two bottles of wine a day mm. on a work day because she gets up the next day and works. In his mind, this is not an issue. I have seen her slowly slide into a reclusive drinker who hides it supremely well, but she's lost jobs, broken bones and missed out on many family occasions because her need to drink has become more powerful than anything else. We could have stopped this when she tried to stop drinking 10 years ago, but we all behaved like our friends and family and just offered her a corkscrew when she was having a bad day. We didn't respect her attempt to control it and now it's too late. That's so, that's so sad. And... Mm. It is remarkable um, how um, how c- common a kind of a slide into alcoholism is, particularly for women, and it is very gradual. And somehow, if it, you know, this is the old cliche is true. If you think, well, I'm not sitting on a park bench drinking diamond white, so therefore I'm not an alcoholic. Um, it's only wine, it's only Prosecco, it's just to re it's just to unwind. And then, you know, people sort of realize that it's become, it's now become an essential. It's become, everything's becoming built around it. You know, you, you're booking a day's annual leave after a certain event because you know, you're going to be in no fit state to work. And, you know, but it's that it's, it is, you're completely right. Um, uh, nice listener. Um, it is, a, a, a very gradual descent um and yeah i, I but when you when when I, I i read the email and 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 read the bit about we could have stopped this when she tried to stop drinking 10 years ago and you just think i mean chris is in denial about it isn't he so then you've got a well, sort of a codependent yeah he's uh-huh. an enabler exactly um, because he knows, he thinks, well, that's what makes her happy. That's what yeah. makes our yeah. relationship function. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but but we can't blame him, and 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 there's no, no. use blaming anyone. And, no. and And the reason that we can't, that people can't deal with these problems or any problem, is because there's blame, and it's all about 
uh, yeah. blame culture and there's stigma and it, yeah. it's the same with mental health yeah. uh, and many other problems in life that we we well, we spoke about the, the taboo of death as well yeah. um uh it's tough i i don't feel qualified to talk about it that much okay. in that you know i i i do drink i do not drink generally in the week i do not drink two bottles of wine a night during the week um and i would feel very uncomfortable judging anyone in that situation mm. it it depends how it affects your life doesn't it and um but if it affects your life in in that way, then yes, that's 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 a problem. For the poor it? woman to have tried and stopped and still be doing it ten years ago because no one yes. helped them would be. I mean, that's just terrible, isn't it? It <sighs> is. Um, but it's it's. But the, the one thing I would disagree with there, without any qualification whatsoever to disagree with it, is that um, it's not too late. No. Is it too late? No. I don't no, know. I suppose not. And I don't, I don't, I, I have no, well, well, you're not asking for advice at all, are you? You, you, you just want to put it out there. And um, I feel like if, if we should have an advice line for people to ring, but we don't. Um, yeah, I feel humbled. Yeah, I mm. feel humbled that you will share that with us. And thank you. My My friend's brother is an alcoholic who doesn't know that he's an alcoholic or doesn't is in denial about the fact that he's an alcoholic and slowly sort of um, destroying the family. And my friend started going to um, Alcoholics Anonymous for relatives of people with alcoholism. Oh, yes, I've heard of this. And he's found it incredibly useful. So, so useful. Um, because you and, know you're not alone. For a yeah, start. and all that when you lose your temper with them, and when you say things that you know aren't going to help, and because you're just so bloody <laughs> furious with them at their selfishness and whatever, but at the same time you know they can't help it, and all this stuff. And he said, but just for in the same way that an alcoholic goes to share their feelings and find out that they all those feelings that they've been thinking are just them and are excruciatingly personal and and morally bad or whatever um but for the family as well to go and to 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 feel the same thing that all those things are normal to feel that fury and to feel that annoyance and to actually think i wish they'd just i wish he'd just drink himself to death you know whatever Mm. to actually hear other people saying that and thinking oh thank god it's not just me it was so it was it's just been unbelievably useful for him i am going to find the number of it now okay good do it but in the meantime let's do millie bell while i find that okay one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why united healthcare offers a variety of flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more so whether you're between jobs coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code DTD when purchasing a pair of headphones. Hi, this is Lucy, and you're listening to Walkie Talkie. Every day, I walk my dog in and around Epping Forest. And there's a regular group of dog walkers that uh, catch up with each other. And the group of us, you know, we're from all kinds of different backgrounds. The one thing we have in common is that we all have dogs, obviously. And I sort of came up with the idea of recording these conversations because... There's something quite confessional about walking side by side with somebody. There's no eye contact. You can just plod along. You know the names of their dog. You quite often don't know their name. You definitely don't know their surname. And uh, it's just a very odd little hour out of the day. And you can get some really startling insights into people's lives because they know that you don't have a relationship with them outside of the dog. And also if things get a bit, you know, emotional or a bit too close you can distract yourself with whatever the dog's doing or you get quite close to people in a remote way it's an intriguing sort of mixture with people's permission obviously I started recording some of the conversations and it sort of grew and now people ask if they can come on the walk even though they don't have a dog because I think they just like the space to talk so this is walkie talkie I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you in the forest. Well, now let's sit back for some social media with our veteran social media specialist, Ms Millie of Bells. G'day, everyone. Well, I'd really like to encourage you, please, to get involved on the forum because it's just gone really quiet lately. There are a few stalwarts who are trying to keep the conversation going, but as well as getting involved on Facebook, please go to the forum. It costs us money to... Uh, runny and we really want to have that conversation with you there great news though um i saw on upstairs at the ball which has nearly 900 members um that claire taylor had posted this 
Listening to the Dumpty Dum podcast for the first time, it's how I'd like to imagine our discussions would go if we were having a bevy at the bull. And then a <laughs> lovely conversation um, occurred underneath that with some people saying, oh, yes, I need to try that out, and others saying, oh, you should find it, you'll love it. So thank you so much for that, Claire. That was really nice, really affirming. Uh, I also would like to talk to you about um, a, a, a message that we got from Ray Beddo. He said, hey, oh. Actually, I don't know if that's his accent. I just made that up. Am I the only person to think it odd that Neil is wandering around the village trying to find someone to take over his pig business but has not bothered to mention it to his son-in-law, Ed? Constantly short of work and money, I would have thought he would jump at the chance. Here's my plot prediction. Ed will take on the pigs and make a fortune while Will will become even more bitter and twisted, turn to drink, lose the kids and home and end up sleeping in a cardboard box in the shop doorway um, and of course uh, there's got to be some drugs in there for a, a full week as well if we go uh, true to plan um, and so quite a conversation underneath that that was uh, rather fun and I must admit I did think it was odd too uh, we also discussed the fact that it was looked as though Joe was going to offload and mm. his information and uh, unfortunately some of you have dirty minds and thought I meant something else but I did not <laughs> that's not me that's got the dirty mind is it Lucy V um, we also had um, I posted up something to say that uh, sepsis is obviously being discussed throughout the world quite uh, um, uh, coincidentally because uh, so, we had a big article on our what, equivalent to the BBC about sepsis and then we found out it was also being discussed in America at the same time there's a fantastic uh, postcard from Jacqueline Berto uh, with, when she met up with uh, Witherspoon. So you, a lovely picture, a really lovely picture of them in uh, something beautiful called the Norwood, I think, uh, which may yeah. be something to do with Witherspoon and his partner. And it looks absolutely fantastic, and I, for one, can't wait to go there. Um, we also had a discussion about Chris, who does seem to be enabling Alice's drinking, which I, for one, am really not happy about. Um, Rachel Hannah said maybe he genuinely doesn't think it's a problem because she is still clever and successful at work and middle class, blah, blah. He didn't see her at the bull when Nick spoke to her, did he? Or when she was drunk in Borchester and was going to drive home. Well, no, that's true. Lexi Hohensee said... I think now that we've addressed coercive control and sepsis, we're moving into the realm of social drinking. This last burst of episodes all referenced social drinking. Brian drinking to excess and having Peggy call him out. David pressuring Adam to stop for a pint on the way home from meeting because they deserved it. Alistair urging Shula because they needed it. Jim and Jazza mm. both offering to spot Joe for drinks because he clearly needed it. Kate trying to get Alistair to open a bottle early to take the edge off her hostess evening. I strongly believe that Alice has slept with Aaron, twat from work, under the influence and is deeply regretting it. Shocked at her own behaviour and trying to make it up to Chris, calling him just to say I love you and throwing dinner parties. She's trying to stay sober and her friends don't understand that unusual behaviour. I don't think Chris is being malicious in trying to get her to drink because he's being conditioned by her previous habits to assume a glass of wine is the solution any time she's stressed. I think this is all an overarching plot to demonstrate how quickly social drinking can become dependent drinking. Alice seems to recognise the problem, including her manipulating pregnant Pip, and is trying to forestall a catastrophe. But it may take her confessing to Chris for anyone around her to change their attitude to drink as a solution. 
Um, must admit, um, I agree with you. Um, before I was a teacher, I was actually a drug and alcohol counsellor in a prison, and all of the things that you say are absolutely correct, Lexi. Um, it's ringing a lot of um, alarm bells with me, so uh, I really thank you for having uh, written that up. I, I agree that it's a bit of a worry. And other than that, we've kept busy with um, everything else through the week, uh, including finishing up with the rapprochement. Uh, so if you would like to get involved with any of those discussions, Facebook, please find us. Uh, there are many of us on there now, and we are gradually going up every week. I think we're up to 1,808 likes, including 31 this week. So that could be upstairs at the ball, so thank you. Um, if you want to talk to us there, or you'd like to talk to us on the forum, please do so. Until then, I will say to you, as I always do, hooroo! Hooroo! Huru. What does huru mean? I've I've meant to ask that for the last three years. I've decided it means see you later. Yeah, I think that's what it means. It might mean up your bum or something, and we don't realise. But anyway, um, oh. I found the number. Um, All right. It is an organisation called Al Anon. Al Anon. Um, yes. In the same, much the same vein as um, uh, the normal AA Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, but it is for. Friends and family of or anybody that is concerned about somebody close to them who is uh, they think maybe um, uh, abusing alcohol. And the number, the London helpline number is 0207-403-0888. Okay. Well, let's move on now, Lucy. Would you like to hit us with some tweets of the week? Yes. Rebs7 said Nick was a saint except for that time she beat a toddler to a pulp in a multi-story car park and told Emma she was lowly scum (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lindy, I think Alice drinks because of Chris so there Chris with your passag bummocks talk (laughs) Jem Butters you won't like this because you've just said how much you enjoyed that bit Enjoy what the week will bring and remember to put those feet one in front of the other. Don't do both at the same time or you'll fall over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> miserable git. <laughs> Derek Elder 2 said, quote, Harrison just cracks me up with his one-liners. Quote, Chris, please heed this sincere advice. Get out more often. See the world. <laughs> <laughs> and... Paul Truman said, oh, I'm in tears here. Will, what am I meant to do, Grandad? Joe, the only thing you can do, William, carry on being the biggest, most furious bellend in the village. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, how wonderful. Never let it be said that the Archer's listeners rest easily with sentiment. They just don't, do they? The first thing we have to do is not only puncture it, but leap around on top of it. Yeah, and long may that even, continue. It's not even the tall poppy syndrome, is it? I mean, no, they're, they're in there with the scythe. If it's not a weed, we're going to kill it, basically. <laughs> um, right. Now, this week, as a pleasant change, you'll all be relieved to hear, rather than me yakking on about Patreon, here is Jan from Cannes to tell you about it instead. Good morning. This is a public service announcement for Dumpty Dummers Everywhere. It's Jan Mitchell calling in to encourage you to join the Dumpty Dum Patreon team. For a small donation of $2 a show, 
you will get access to extra content like Royfield's fabulous interviews with Anya and Headley. Anya, who plays Alexi, of course, and Headley, who plays the mysteriously missing Kathy. Those interviews really enriched my enjoyment of The Archers, and I'm really looking forward to the next one with Becky Wright, who plays Nick Grundy, who played Nick Grundy. Uh, so uh, please consider supporting our wonderful Dumpty Dum creative team. You won't be disappointed. Oh, and by the way, no one asked me to do this. This is all on me. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you very much. And Thank listeners, you. don't forget that I've just spent the best part of £2,000 on a new computer. <laughs> this, this is a personal, be- behalf, but a personal request on behalf well, I spent of... 80 quid on cables that don't bloody work with my microphone, so I've probably got to go out and buy a new audio interface. But anyway... Yes, I don't, I don't... Think we can blame the listeners for yeah. that, darling. Any anyone who wants to send the world's smallest violin in an envelope, please <laughs> feel free so to do. Uh, what I want to say about Harrison, uh, which is uh, the wonderful Mister Cartwright, is I had a wonderful exchange on Twitter with him oh, I uh, saw during that. Snow Week. Wasn't that lovely? He was. He, he blew me a kiss. And you know, know. also, no, he's a right slapper, though. I have to say, my type then. Um, <laughs> We're both, we were both born on the 22nd of October. Mm. He a few years later than me, I imagine. But anyway, so, yeah, I, I feel a pint coming on. I really do. Anyway, is that it? Do I need to do my bit now? No, because you don't need to do your red bit, do you? No. So I'll do my ending bit. Okay. Right, okay. All right, I'll take a run up to this. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105. That's 0203 031 3105 to leave a message. You can find Royfield and Lucy at Dumpty Dum, and that's at Dumpty Dum on Twitter. And Lucy is at Lucy V. Freeman. I can be found at Naked Fingers. My goodness, that's 13 minutes longer than we usually manage, Lucy. Golly, we have gone on a bit, haven't we? Bye, folks. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.